0: This is Pioneering Today with Upper Skagit's own Melissa K. Norris. Inspiring your faith and your pioneer route here in the beautiful North Cascade Mountains on KSVU 90.1 Community Radio. Good morning. This is Melissa K. Norris with Pioneering Today. And we're going to be discussing, we're finishing up our part three series today on homemade um replacements for processed ingredients and today is our holiday episode i'm really excited to talk to you today about some of the different um replacements that you can use in a lot of your holiday cooking i love christmas time christmas is one of my favorite seasons i'm one of those crazy people my tree goes up if not thanksgiving weekend maybe even the weekend before i like to start putting my christmas lights out if we have a break of good weather here in the pacific northwest Uh, Quite often, we end up having really rainy, sometimes snowy, but usually in November to um, October, it's usually quite rainy. We're actually having a fabulous run of weather right now, and it's sunny out, Um, totally enjoying it. So usually on a normal year, if it's the first part of November and we happen to catch a sunny day, which is a rarity usually, then I'll go outside and start putting my Christmas lights up on that day to be doing it in the rain or the snow, and I don't necessarily plug them in, though sometimes I do. I'm usually the first one on our road that has the Christmas lights up and all the Christmas decorations, but I just love Christmas. It just comes once a year, and I enjoy the family time, and um, celebrating the birth of Jesus, and just all that it represents. And one of the things that I really enjoy about Christmas is holiday baking. You know, there's Um, I kind of bake all throughout the year I would say that I prefer to bake over cooking dinner though I end up doing both of those things but I really do enjoy baking um, homemade things from scratch and just when you walk into a house and it smells like freshly baked cookies or fresh-baked bread it just makes it feel more homey and I like I like to eat what I cook too but I enjoy sharing it with other people and so that's one thing about the holiday baking is a lot of the holiday baking that I do I end up giving out for gifts um to other people, or, you know, you're taken to different get togethers, that kind of a thing. And some of the problem with, um, holiday baking is some of the recipes that we have call for, um, processed ingredients. Um, and the reason I don't like processed ingredients is one is, um, processed ingredients that you buy from the store usually contain a lot of ingredients that aren't so healthy for you. Um, two, they usually contain, um, a lot of GMO, ingredients. And so one of the things um, that we're doing at our house, and I hope you're doing at your house is we're trying to stay away from any GMO ingredients, which is genetically modified food. Um, if you aren't familiar with um, GMOs, and why they're not healthy for us or good. Um, I have several podcasts on them. Actually, one is um, GMO 101 just kind of tells you exactly what genetically modified food is where it began, um, those kind of things. And then I also have one on how to keep GMO um, products and foods out of your house. So you can go to melissaknorris.com and click on the podcast button. And every single episode of the radio show and my podcast is listed there. And you can listen to it online from my website. And you can also find um, additional resources from each episode listed there. So you can go and check that out if you're not familiar with GMOs. And so one of the things that a lot of holiday recipes call for that um, you might not use so much throughout all the rest of the year, but especially when it comes to holiday baking and specifically a lot of candy making is corn syrup. So corn syrup, well, we all know that high fructose corn syrup is bad for us because um, it's been the, the high fructose part is that it has a higher fructose level than normal corn syrup and that doesn't react well with our bodies. And the second thing is corn is uh, sweet corn. I should specify there is one of the highest GMO crops out there in fact it's really hard to find sweet corn that has not been cross-pollinated with genetically modified corn um, there's a few sources out there but it's really becoming quite difficult just because corn um, has a really wide cross-pollination um, footprint so it makes it harder to find that so corn syrup is used in a lot of candy making and a lot of our baked goods. Um, so it's kind of hard to, if you wanna be GMO free and to be healthy and you still wanna make a lot of your traditional holiday recipes, trying to find corn syrup can be really difficult to find something that, that could be guaranteed that it's not genetically modified. So I, um, some people said that they have used honey. They have just swapped out honey um, for the ratio of corn syrup to the recipe. I haven't actually tried that yet myself. Um, But on intentionallydomestic.com, which is operated by Carrie Ann Foster, who is um, a friend of mine, Jaxo is a huge advocate in real food and traditional cooking, and she has one of the longest or the longest running um, traditional food courses on online on the internet. So I looked at her site and she said I could share it with you on the air. So thank you, Carrie Ann. Um, is her corn syrup replacement. And this is actually part of her Christmas menu mailer. And so her recipe is um, one cup sugar, three-fourths cup water, and a quarter teaspoon cream of tartar, and a pinch of salt. So just one um, real quick thing there on the sugar. Now, um, sugar beets, which a lot of sugar is made from, is also a really um, high genetically modified food. So um, you either want to use um organic sugar or you can use evaporated um, cane juice which is what I use a lot of um, for sugar or you can just make sure that it says on the package that it's um, 100% sugar cane sugar and not made from sugar beet so that's another way you want to make sure that you're not introducing uh, GMO ingredients when we're what we're trying to avoid when we're making this syrup so you want to combine everything in a saucepan and you want to bring it to a boil and then you want to reduce it to a simmer and cover it. So cook it for three minutes with the lid on, and this washes down any um, remaining sugar particles, crystals in there, on the, so that on the sides of the pound. you don't want it to crystallize later, you want it to stay a smooth syrup, so that's why we have to cook it for three minutes with the lid on, and then you want to uncover it and cook it to softball stage then you want to pour it into a clean hot mason jar and let it cool completely on the counter and then it stores for a really long time in the fridge and the reason you want to pour it into a clean hot mason jar is when you're pouring really hot liquid into glass it can sometimes crack or shatter so if the glass is hot then and you're introducing hot liquid then it will cool together and you'll and you'll um, not have to worry about that so if you're not familiar with um, candy cooking candy making you might not be sure what it um, when it says uncover and cook to a softball stage. So what that means in regards to candy making is when the sugar concentration in the syrup is at eighty five percent. So that happens when it's cooked. If you have a candy thermometer between two hundred thirty four and two hundred forty degrees Fahrenheit, or this is a really simple test and what most candy makers have been using for a long time is take a spoonful of the syrup and drop it into cold water, and it should form a soft lump or soft ball, hence the term. So that's how you can tell if it's reached the softball stage is what they mean by that terminology. So that is for um, our corn syrup replacement. And I'll also have that recipe listed on uh, under the podcast button on list, so you can go back and click on that if you weren't able to write that down. And then I have a couple other things here I'm excited to share with you. A lot of recipes, in fact, I have some recipes that call um, for the the corn syrup, so I'm going to be excited to make up a batch of that and just have on hand in the fridge. Um, And with holiday baking, that's one of my big advocates, is to make up what you can ahead of time before the real stress and the busy season of the holiday hits, so then you have these items already at your disposal when you set out to make your stuff so that it doesn't make it longer when you're going to actually make your batch of candy or whatever you're going to be using So the other thing I have is I know um, a lot of the listeners, a lot of people are lactose intolerant. And so some of the items with holiday baking can be kind of difficult to make some of the traditional recipes that you're used to. So this is also from uh, Carrie Ann from intentionallydomestic.com. And this is her dairy-free sweetened condensed milk. So for those of you who don't want to buy the sweetened condensed milk in the store or need a dairy-free option, this is great. So she uses um, one can of full-fat coconut milk. And then two tablespoons rapadura, or to taste, she says, a dash of sea salt. And then optionally, oh, and excuse me, and then one teaspoon vanilla extract. So she says in a two quart, quart or larger saucepan, combine the coconut milk, rapadura, and salt. Bring it to a simmer and then reduce the heat to low until it's just gently simmering. So it's just barely simmering. And allow it to cook while whisking occasionally until the volume has reduced to around one to one and a quarter cups. As she said, the cooking time on this usually lasts about one to one and a half hours. And then cool it, allow it to cool, and then whisk in the vanilla extract. So that's one way you can do an option for sweetened condensed milk that's dairy free. And then I also have from another one of my friends, um, Marie, who blogs and writes at myculturedpallet.com. This is her version um, and this is sweetened condensed milk with honey or raw sugar. So there's kind of two options that you can do there. So this one um, I don't, we're not lactose intolerant at my home. So this is the one that I will probably use but I wanted to give that other option out there for you guys. So hers is for um, the honey sweetened condensed milk is just one and a quarter cups whole milk, a half a cup of honey, two tablespoons butter and one teaspoon vanilla. And then for, if you want to use, um, if you don't have honey or you don't want to use the honey, she says you can use the raw sugar, sweetened condensed milk ingredients is one and a half cups whole milk, a half a cup, raw sugar, two tablespoons butter and a teaspoon vanilla. So basically the same, just a little bit different on the measurements there. So the procedure is the same, regardless if you're going with the honey or the raw sugar route, and that's to mix either your honey or raw sugar and milk in a saucepan, bring it to a low simmer over medium heat stirring it often to prevent burning and to dissolve the sweetener. Watch for steam to begin rising from the milk. And when the steam begins rising, lower the heat to as low as possible. And if a skim forms on top, just scoop it off. And then you want to allow the mixture to reduce in volume by half. So you can use a clean kitchen ruler to measure the amount. Um, she said she couldn't find her, so she just used a wooden popsicle stick. I loved it when you, I love it when you just do impromptu things like that in the kitchen. Uh, so she marked the level in the beginning, and then she just checked it throughout the cooking process until it was half of what she had started with. She said this step took about two and a half hours. So this is kind of one of those things that'll be going on the back of the stove while you're doing other things. And when the amount is half of what you started with, then you whisk in the butter and the vanilla, and then you want to cool the sweetened condensed milk and use as desired. Or in place of the, um, or you can put it in a sterilized canning jar with the lid on and place it out of the way to let it seal. And then she said that she just refrigerates any unused jars and they should keep for months. She said um, so far she's kept them for about a month without any problem before ending up using it all. So that is a a great way, um, two options there for sweetened condensed milk on our holiday replacements. And then this other one I was really excited about. um, I am a huge jelly maker at our house. In fact, I just made up a batch um, and I'm going to be having the recipe shortly on melissaknors.com. So be watching for that on the blog. And I just made up a batch of pepper and garlic jelly. So I love savory jellies at the holidays when you want to have um, an easy appetizer is just take a good block of cream cheese and then pour the savory jelly on top. And then you can use um, crackers like wheat thins, um, to scoop it up as a dip and it's just it's really easy and it's really quick and it's really yummy but of course because we're talking about processed replacements I was really excited to find this recipe because um, a lot of the, the crackers in the store about stuff that they have um, corn syrup in them corn corn flour any of that kind of thing then you know that they're tainted with GMOs and most of them have some chemicals in them preservatives that kind of thing that aren't so great for us. So Marie from My Cultured Pellet also agreed to let me share her homemade wheat thins recipe. So I was super excited about this one. Um, She said it makes about five dozen of one and and a half inch crackers. So um, what you need is one and a quarter cups whole wheat flour, one and a half tablespoons raw sugar, a half a teaspoon salt, she said plus more to put on the top of the crackers, a quarter teaspoon paprika, four tablespoons butter, a half a cup, excuse me, a quarter cup water, said you might need a little bit more, and a quarter teaspoon vanilla. So she says you preheat your oven to 400 degrees, line a cookie sheet with parchment paper, or you can just spray your cookie sheet down with some nonstick cooking spray. Then you want to add your flour, sugar, salt, and paprika in a medium bowl and mix, and then cut in the butter into the mixture so that it's going to be kind of crumbly, so just use like a pastry cutter and cut that in. And then combine your water and vanilla in a measuring cup and add that to the butter and flour mixture and mix it until it smooths a, forms a smooth dough. If it's too dry, just add a little bit more water at a time. And then working with half of the dough at a time and make sure you cover the remaining dough to prevent it from drying out. You're gonna roll it out to 1 16th inch thickness on right on the parchment paper lined cookie sheet or your um, lightly sprayed greased cookie sheet and then you want to use a pizza cutter and you're going to cut it into squares. She says she just cuts diagonal and horizontal lines to form a grid. And if you rolled it on the parchment paper, slide the paper onto your cookie sheet. I uh, so there's no need to separate the crackers because they shrink as they cook. So you're just, you're cutting them, but then you don't have to like separate them out, which is great for time saving. Um, bake there until they're crisp and brown, which is about eight to twelve minutes. Um, she said check frequently because they can burn rather quickly. And then you want to remove them from the oven and cool and store in an airtight container. So those would be great to do on any kind of you know cheese tray that you might do during the holidays. Or like I said, with the cream cheese and the jelly on top, um, or just to, I just like to eat crackers, <laughs> so they would be great that way as well. Um, and then one of the other things that I want to share with you is she mentioned quite a few of her recipes actually call for um, vanilla extract. So one of the really easy ways t- for um, to make at home, one of the things to make at home is extracts. Extracts are extremely easy to make at home, and they're also really frugal. So extracts require um, most extracts, I should say, require alcohol. So you'll want to just watch at your, you know, your store or whatever for the, whatever is on sale, whatever you can find is the cheapest. There's no reason to buy the high end premium um, alcohol when you're making extract. So most of it um, is with vodka. Um, you want a clear alcohol or rum. So rum is really great to be used with vanilla extract because uh, rum is made from fruit. So it has a little bit of a, a fruity it just gives it a little bit different texture, a little bit more depth and flavor um, than vodka. if vodka, you don't generally taste in the extract. So you'll pick whichever alcohol you want to use, vodka or rum. And if you're going to do vanilla extract, which is kind of the most common in, in most baking and cooking recipes, is vanilla extract. So you'll want to buy some whole vanilla beans and you're gonna want about nine of them. Um, You can get them, I know Costco carries them during the holiday seasons, but I do know that they sell out rather quickly. Um, It's just a seasonal item that they carry. Um, Here in the Skagit Valley, the local co-op has them for a great price um, down in Mount Vernon. And then you can also get them online too. So you wanna check out and if at all possible, you wanna purchase organic. Um, Anytime you're making any kind of extracts, you wanna be using organic. Because when the alcohol draws it out, it can actually intensify if there's any pesticides or chemicals in there. So you're going to get your um, vanilla beans and take a quart-sized glass mason jar and make sure it's washed and clean. And then you're going to take the beans and you're going to chop those vanilla beans up to about approximately quarter-inch pieces. And then you're going to put them in the jar. And then you're going to fill the jar up with either the vodka or the rum. So your quart is about four cups. So between three to four cups of vodka or rum and then you're going to seal it and you're going to shake it up really good and then you're going to store it in a cool dark place so I put mine up in the cupboard and I put it next to my coffee so that I remember to shake it every day when we make coffee in the morning so that's one thing when you're doing extract is that you're going to shake it daily and it usually you'll want to let it seep anywhere from four weeks up to six months so it's something that if you're going to be doing for holiday baking or holiday gift giving, it's great to give as gifts that you want to make sure that you get a start on really soon. And if you let it seep um, from about four to six weeks, then you want to strain it. You can use, just use a strainer or even a coffee filter and strain it through and then bottle that up either in large glass bottles or smaller ones for gift giving. And then if you've only let it seep for about four to six weeks, there's still plenty of vanilla left in the beans and you can just get a clean fresh jar going um, and with, you know, your vodka rum and make at least one more batch out of those beans. So it ends up being really frugal. Um, So that's another one of our um, processed replacements that you can make at home. And it's kind of fun because you get to adjust the flavor and then you know it's not cut down with any water or sugar. A lot of vanilla you'll see when you read it, it says it has um, in the ingredients, it says water and sugar as well. So it's kind of been cut down from the um, original strength. And then one other thing I want to get you is when it's cold out and we're thinking of, you know, cold weather and the holidays is hot chocolate. Hot chocolate is a great one. And so I, um, in our previous episode, um, part two, it was of our processed replacements. I gave the recipe for my chocolate sauce that I use to make homemade hot chocolate. But if you want to make up a big thing of the powdered hot chocolate mix, so those are good to put in little baggies. If you're going to be out, you know, outdoors and you just have hot water and you can't be carrying around your glass jar of syrup, or, a lot of people like to give this away as a gift um, so you don't have to worry about refrigerating and shipping wise. So, this is my recipe for hot cocoa powder mix. And it's three cups non fat dried instant milk powder, two cups powdered sugar, one and a half cups unsweetened cocoa powder, one cup white chocolate chips, and a half cup mini chocolate chips with a quarter teaspoon salt. So, you're going to mix all of these ingredients in a food processor or a blender until it's well blended. And then you want to spoon it into a mason jar or glass container. And then when you're ready to make your hot cocoa, you just use three tablespoons to one cup hot water or milk. And then you can add a teaspoon of mint extract to the hot chocolate um, or vanilla. And I also have um, omelissknores.com. I have my recipe on how to make homemade mint extract. And I also have a version that doesn't use alcohol. So I have a non-alcohol version. If you want to be able to put that in the kids' hot chocolate, and not worry about the alcohol. So, um, and then you can also top it with your whipped cream or marshmallows. So I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and part three of our homemade reprocessed replacement series. This is Melissa K. Norris on 90.1 Community Radio.